Welcome to the Wisconsin Football Coaches Podcast with your hosts, Tom Swiddle, Tom Yashinsky, and Paul Novinsky. Now let's join the guys. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association Podcast. I'm Tom Swiddle, head football coach at Wauwatosa East and past president of the WFCA. I am joined by my co-hosts, Tom Yashinsky, head coach at Onalaska and WFCA Northern Vice President, and Paul Novinsky, former coach at Mosinee and a WFCA Hall of Famer. Gentlemen, it's been a couple of weeks since we've gotten together. I'm sure the two of you are well into your summer routines. Tom, that probably means strength and conditioning workouts and driving your children around to their many summer activities. Yeah, we had 70, 70 plus guys at our first session this morning, another 40 at the second session. So things are, and we had 50 girls, which is awesome. First time in a long time we've been able to, to get that number of girls out. So strength and conditioning is in full swing and, and we're excited uh, to kind of get going here and, and we're a little over a month away. So you had a total of 110 athletes from all sports? Yeah, that just male athletes. And then you add another 50 girls in. So we had 160 kids out of, you know, out of 900 of our school um, in the weight room Monday and Tuesday each day this week. So things are going well. That's fantastic. Congratulations on that. We're trying to build that kind of culture right now at Wauwatosa East. And it's going to take us a while, but we will get there. Paul, I, I know what your summer is like because you keep sending me pictures of those trophy fish you catch. Yeah, I gotta love it. I although this week, today, tomorrow, and Thursday, I'm actually at football camp. I still help out with a local football camp here. So we had 300 athletes there. It was good to get back into it. But I gotta tell you guys, 86 degrees. Oh boy, I, I'm kind of would rather been on a boat. Yeah, I bet. Talk a little bit about that football camp. You've described it to me. It's a really Really unique and, and cool thing. Well, it's a camp. I used to coach at Everest, so I was really good friends with Wayne Stefanagan. When I came to Mosinee, we started the camp in 94, 95. And the camp has been going on forever. Uh, we have about 300 kids. It's all the area Marathon County schools, Wasi East, Wasa West, Marathon, Mosinee, you know, a lot of schools that get together. And we do it by positions. We have area coaches come. It's a low-budget camp. Um, there's a seven-on-seven seven component with it, and and we had almost 300 athletes in alignment also. So it's really 31 coaches come to help out. And the neat thing about the camp is um, once the kids get their shirts, low budget, get something to drink, all the other money is donated to charity. And this year, we actually gave it to a local person that uh, their their son was in the Wisconsin Children's Hospital Program, and we donated all the money to them. What a, what a great thing to do. Uh, you know, congratulations on running that camp yearly and, and having that many athletes come to it. But, you know, thank you for, you know, your donation. And, and I mean, I think I, what a great thing to use your camp money for. Hey, fellas, I, I'm really excited about tonight's podcast. Ryan Olson, run game coordinator and offensive line coach of South Dakota State. Uh, make that national champion, South Dakota State, is with us. We're going to find out how South Dakota State built their program into a national champion. Um, Coach Olson recruits Wisconsin, and he'll tell us the importance of Wisconsin players in their program. Finally, we'll talk about the recruiting process in general, what high school players and coaches can do and parents to help themselves in recruiting. Coach Olson, welcome. 
Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. Appreciate you guys uh, bringing me on here. Coach, I've got to ask you this. You're, you're pretty soon going to run out of fingers for all of your national championship rings. You, you got three as an all-conference tackle at Whitewater, and now you got one as a coach at South Dakota State. Which one is better, getting it as a player or a coach? That's, that's a really good question. Um, it's, it's tough to answer because two totally different kind of feelings uh, when, when you get there. Um, you know, as a player, you obviously you got kind of that sense of uh, – all the physical work that you put in and, and uh, the time with your teammates and uh, it, just a little bit different experience, I guess, you know, and as a player, you, you kind of got your job, right? You got, you know, as, as an offensive lineman, you, you got a very clear cut role and, um, you know, our coaches always did a great job of uh, kind of laying out the expectations. And I just felt like as long as you work really, really hard and, um, and, and, you know, try to do what your coaches ask you to do, we had a good chance to win. So, um, it is a great feeling uh, as a coach, you know, uh, you, you feel a little bit uh, more helpless when you're out there on the field, right? <laughs> you, you do yeah. your best to get them coached up, get them taught up, uh, get them headed in the right direction. And then at the end of the day, um, you know, those guys got to go out there and make the plays uh, for you to win. So it's um, it's also a super rewarding feeling. Um, obviously, as you guys know, you know, the hours between being a player and a coach are, are a little different, too. So. Um, uh, I, I would say, uh, hard, you know, hard to compare the two. Um, there's probably a little bit of a recency bias there with the last one, um, but all, all the way around, um, just an awesome feeling. Well, again, congratulations. And and I, I know that this transformation for South Dakota State into, you know, what is widely considered one of the finest football programs in the country is has been, you know, kind of a, a long time coming in, in terms of all the years and effort. Um, Paul and I um, interviewed, or, or we had a podcast uh, at the clinic with Coach Stiglmeyer, and he gave us some background on, you know, the, the program and, and, you know, all the things that he did. Um, but you, you tell us your, your, your thoughts, you know, when you compare yourself to the schools you play and, and you play in a great conference. Um, you know, what separates South Dakota State from the other schools? Um, you know, I, I guess, yeah, you know, I have a unique outlook on it, having coached at, uh, you know, uh, Bemidji State for a couple of years before this. And um, at, in, in that league, you spend a lot of time visiting all the schools kind of in the Missouri Valley, right? You go in clinic with these guys. And so I feel like I've seen a lot more than maybe some of my coworkers in terms of the facilities and um, meeting a lot of these coaches and and honestly a lot of the guys across the league you look around a lot of them we, we kind of all came up from similar places you know guys from Duluth and Mankato and Winona and all those types of schools so um, I haven't seen a lot of it uh, being able to compare I think honestly just the the you know the belief here um, the 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 type of culture it is um, you know there's certainly a lot of expectations and um, we, we, you know, hold our players and ourselves accountable, but, um, you know, going back to, to coach Stig, um, probably the most unique head coach I've ever worked for, played for, been around, um, especially at this level of football, um, probably one of the most egoless, um, giving, caring, um, thoughtful and, and honestly just authentic human beings. Um, I've ever been around in, in football or any other 
vector of life. Um, he he is the reason, quite frankly, that this place is different and why it's special because he's he's a very special person. Um, and just the way he treats people, uh, how relationship oriented he is, um, that that honestly, to me, is probably where it starts when it comes to our football program. Um, there's a lot of other things, too. You know, the the administration here, the community, um, they really, really care. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of that is uh, represented in how good our facilities are and, and uh, you know, how well supported we are financially. And um, those things don't happen without um, a lot of people that really, really care about the place and want to see it succeed. So um, a, a lot of different things, but, I, you know, I, I just, it, for me, it always goes back to, to Coach Stig. And um, boy, if you took a snapshot of what the place looked like when he got here and what it looks like now, um, you, you wouldn't recognize it. Well, I certainly got that feeling, as did Paul, when we, when we had him on that podcast at the clinic. Paul? Yeah, I've known Coach Stiglmeyer for a while. He used to coach at Eau Claire North. But, Coach, I want to ask you, you're, you know, I did a little research in your background. You, for a young man, have a lot of extensive background. I mean, you've been at every level. Uh, you've been uh, GA at, at Iowa State. You've been at Bemidji. You, you've been a lot. You know, now, obviously, you at South Dakota State. What, what's some of the things you've taken away from your journey of kind of moving up the ladder? Um, you know, to be honest, uh, kind of starting where I started, you know, playing high school football at Stoughton High School, um, you know, we, I learned a lot there. We, we didn't have a great program, to be honest with you. We didn't win a lot of games. Um, I didn't know where football was going to take me. Um, and, and having been at all these different places and, and met a lot of different people, um, I think there's a, there, obviously there's a lot of differences, but, uh, from level to level and place to place. Um, I think a lot of the things that, that, you know, make great football players and win you football games are still the same. Um, you know, pe people that work hard and, and, uh, really care about the people they work with or play with and, and, uh, what it takes to win, what it takes to be successful. It, you know, it really doesn't, it doesn't change. You know, you got to outwork people and, um, you, you got to be detailed and you, you got to take care of the, the, you know, your fellow players, your fellow coaches and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, there, there's certainly a lot of differences. Some some places, you know, you. I remember uh, first day on the job at Iowa State and, and walking into that beautiful facility in the stadium. And um, man, I, I couldn't have been more nervous, you know, coming from uh, where I was at before D2 school, Missouri Western. You know, we, we played in front of 4,000 people. And then, you know, fast forward a year, we're playing in front of 60,000. And um, it's, uh, you think a lot of things are going to be different, but when it really comes down to it between the lines, um, it really isn't that different. Tom? Coach, how, you know, let's talk about recruiting a little bit because I think that's an, an interesting topic for our listeners and whether they be coaches, athletes, fans, whatever, to try and uh, grasp. How does recruiting change as you move through those divisions? You know, obviously what you can offer them changes, but also how do you, what's the difference in how you're going about uh, identifying recruits and kind of ranking and, and, you know, the approach to recruiting as you move from, from D3 up to you know, the FCS level? Um, it, the, honestly, kind of in reference to, to your question, Paul, the last question, that, that probably is the biggest difference um, recruiting. So um, I'll, I'll tell you kind of my story as a player in division three, you know, I, I, uh, I was, I didn't, we didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, great seasons in high school. I don't ever really remember a lot of college coaches coming through Stone to talk to us, maybe right towards the end there. 
Um, but really for me, it came down to, you know, who I wanted to go somewhere where somebody wanted me. Um, and really the only two schools that even seemed to communicate with me were Eau Claire and Whitewater. And, um, you know, Whitewater was 45 minutes away and I thought three hours to Eau Claire was like the other side of the planet. So I just decided to go to Whitewater. Um, anyway, my, my recruiting experience as a player in division three, I don't think I decided to go to Whitewater until maybe like right around now, like June, it was like really late. And I was like, yeah, all right, I guess we're going. Um, so it, that, that timeline is, is a lot different than fast forward to Iowa state, you know, we, by the time, you know, August rolled around, um, that recruiting class for the next year was done. Right. Um, so the timeline is probably the thing that, that separates, um, the different levels the most, uh, you know, you look at the power five schools right now, you know, you look at like university of Wisconsin and, um, you know, the other Big Ten schools, most of those places have their 2024 class pretty much sealed up, right? And then you look at our level, the group of five schools, the max schools, uh, we're, we're all kind of on a similar timeline. We've got about nine kids committed right now. Then you kind of move down to Division Two. The Division Two schools, they'll they'll start to kind of wrap their process up in terms of commitments um, a little bit closer to the fall. And, and a lot of that will go all the way through the fall into October, November, December, and then you look at the Division Three schools, and and you talk to those coaches. Those guys, I mean, they feel like they got to recruit all the way until the kids show up to campus because there is no binding document. Um, so that's one huge thing that's different is the timeline. Um, you know, obviously the the process all the way through at the different levels is super dependent upon budget. Um, the obviously the higher level school you get to, for the most part. The more money the university is going to spend on recruiting, the more resources you're going to have in terms of travel and um, the amount of time you can spend out on the road um, going to see kids and evaluate kids and talk to coaches. Um, and as you go up the levels, you know, those guys end up using more of their time. So, you know, spring recruiting, we get uh, if you average it out for a, a 10 or 11 man staff, you know, it's about 15 days, give or take that you can spend on the road in the spring. Um, and, and some places they use all of them, some places they don't. Um, you know, the division two schools, some of them get out in spring, some of them don't. So it's, uh, you know, the, the amount of, uh, face time you can get with, with coaches and players can be a little different. And, um, I guess, uh, the, the last part of it is, um, as we kind of enter the new era of, of recruiting now is the NIL piece. And, uh, we don't all have that. Right. And even if you go to the highest level, there's even more stratification there at the power five level. I talked to some guys and, um, they're, they're in people in their league have, you know, hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars in their war chest to use. And, and they don't, they don't have, you know, a 10th of that. So, um, it, it's certainly not the same everywhere. Um, but it's always changing, man. It, 10 years ago, I remember sitting at Missouri Western. I mean, we didn't put our recruiting board together until December guys came back from, you know, being on the road in November. And then we put the board together nowadays that that would be crazy. You know, you'd be so far behind. So it keeps accelerating. Yeah, the, the recruiting um, timeline certainly has changed a lot. And, and the NIL, as you mentioned, uh, you know, a short little story. I recently talked to uh, a school that is a, a D1 school that isn't in the Power Five. And, and this coach told me that uh, a player that they recruited, um, a school that um, was the only school that offered this guy a Division One scholarship, comes to this school, they develop him. He, he develops into a starter, a really good player for him. 
through all the work of, of their coaches and, and everybody at their school. And um, this past off season, he decided to transfer to USC and got a $300,000 NIL deal, you know? So here's, you know, it's like schools are just developing people for someone else now, you know, and uh, that's, that's gotta be weird. And to bring it back to South Dakota state, your tight end who was drafted by the Packers in the third round, um, he had the opportunity to leave South Dakota State, but decided to stay. Yeah, Tucker, um, we we went through it last year, and and uh, I know some guys that it was right around the time I was on the road um, in in uh, early May in Wisconsin. I was going, you know, talking to guys and evaluating kids, and um, got a call and basically said, you know, I've, I've got all this stuff coming my way. I'm not sure what to do, and um, uh, you know, I just it, honestly, it's a little bit of a moral dilemma as a coach, right? You're sitting there telling this kid who, you know, not not that he's destitute or anything, but he's a college kid, and um, somebody wants to, you know, throw him <laughs> six figures. What what do I tell him? Hey, don't take that money, you know, because um, you know somebody came to your door and said, hey, if if you if you stop working at your job and you come work for us, we'll pay you, you know, several hundred thousand dollars more than you get in there. You'd probably do it, you know, so. Um, that's a hard thing as a coach when that stuff starts coming towards your kids is, uh, hey, what do you tell them? And then um, I think the thing that and then this is why Tucker's so special is, um, you know, we, I think we have a really loyal group of kids here uh, at, at our place. And I think a lot of that just comes back to trying to recruit kids kind of from our footprint, kids from the upper Midwest, um, kids that are, are a little bit more uh, got a little bit more grit to them, I guess, and, and um, really value that relationship uh, between player and coach and obviously their fellow teammates. And so, um, you know, Tucker wrestled with it. it. It wasn't like he just said no and hung up. You know, I think he thought about it for quite a while. And there was a minute there where I wasn't sure what was going to happen, um, but he decided to stay. And honestly, I think uh, his story is an awesome example of he stayed, he finished it out here and he still got drafted in the second round. He didn't have to go to the SEC. He didn't have to go to Alabama. He didn't have to leave to get to where he wanted to get to, you know, I mean, heck, he, he, he hurt his ankle on the second or third play of the game against Iowa. Didn't play most of the year. Came back and really played in the playoffs, and uh, still got drafted. You know, mid second round. So uh, I think that's a great example to our players. Hopefully, guys all over the the, the middle levels of Division One and, and even Division Two and Division Three of that you can uh, you can get to where you want to go from where you're at. You know, and <clears throat> excuse me, it brings up uh, another question. Um, so I noticed uh, with with your rival, North Dakota State, would you say they're your biggest rival? Yeah, there's there's no question about that. Okay, well, I, I noticed that as as they really started building their program, that they no longer recruited, how do I say, it, FCS kids per se. I mean, they were truly going after the same kids that Wisconsin was going after, and you know, Minnesota was going after, and so on. Um, given the high profile of your program right now, um, have you guys changed the kind of players you're going after? I mean, you know, are you, you know, totally fine going head to head with Iowa or somebody for a player? You know, I think, I think most people in our league would tell you and at our level that, um, you know, if it's us versus the power five school, we typically don't win those. You know, um, and I don't know that we've ever beaten the power five school scholarship versus scholarship here. 
Um, and, and, you know, I know NDSU had a couple back in the day that were, you know, kids from like way up north that were maybe from North Dakota or whatever um, that decided to stay. Um, but I, I don't think we've really changed the type of kid we're looking for. Uh, I think here's what happens is you, you start to have a lot of success. You start winning a lot of games. You beat some FBS teams. You know, we beat Colorado State. We beat Kansas way back in 2015. You know, so we've had a couple of those FBS wins. You know, we play Iowa really tough this last year. Um, what starts to happen now is when we offer a kid and he makes a public, all of a sudden a lot more eyes go to that kid. And um, I won't mention any names or any other schools, but it's happened a couple times in the last two or three weeks, to be honest with you, where uh, we went on a guy and then all of a sudden um, he had about six offers in, in the span of two or three days. So that's something that uh, is at times hard to negotiate because, you know, if you you extend that offer, sometimes you're you're going to bring a lot more attention to a guy, which is great for the kid, obviously, you know, all the opportunities and stuff. but. It, it can make recruiting a little more difficult. Tom and then Paul. Coach, let's talk a little bit about how do you balance all this? Because with recruiting, you'll spend, you know, a week or two over on the the east side of the country in terms of your recruiting territory in Wisconsin and, and east side of Wisconsin and hitting everywhere. And then you go home for a little while and then you get to camp season and you guys are out at camps and and, you know, you have your camp, but then you might go to some of the D2 camps and whatnot. Um, and, the, and obviously the, the FBS level D1s, they might invite you out to some of those. How do you balance that and still get time at home um, and keep everybody at home happy and still be a good dad, a good husband, good father, all that? Yeah, it's uh, probably one of the hardest things about the job. Um, you know, we love what we do and I love what I do. I, I absolutely love getting on the road in Wisconsin and um, going out and seeing as many coaches as I can. And and uh, honestly, since I think my first time on the road in Wisconsin, I was a GA at Missouri Western and I convinced Jerry Partridge to let me go recruit. Um, and he said, well, you got, I'll pay for your gas, but you got to pay for everything else. And I said, deal. So that was back in 20, shoot, that would have been about 2014. So I, I've been in Wisconsin since then recruiting and, you know, obviously you make a lot of friends uh, in terms of coaches and um, it's fun. Uh, but like you said, uh, it's hard being away from home. You know, you're out a lot of times. We don't even come back on the weekends, you know, just because it's not real cost efficient um, sometimes. So, you know, two, three weeks at a time and then you get a little reprieve and then you go, you're gone for another week or two. Um, there's certainly a lot of sacrifice and more so by my wife and, um, our family. Um, and, and that's not always easy. Um, but I think that's what makes, uh, you know, coaches wives, especially at our level so special, um, uh, is because they understand what it takes. Uh, and I think what you realize when you do get home is that that time is just golden, you know, and it's like, all right, put the phone away. Um, you know, take, take some time to just be there and be in the moment and, and, I think one thing that I've learned, um, and maybe I wouldn't understand this if I was just always home every night, um, is just to really value that time and get the absolute most you can out of it. Because uh, it, when when you're when you're not there, man, you really you really miss it. So um, it's not easy, and I, I'd be lying if I said there is a balance. You know, it certainly is not fifty fifty. Um, but I think where you try to make up is you try to make that time that you do get um, as as absolutely. Um, intentional and uh, meaningful as possible. So, 
The other thing I'd say is our, you know, our, our head coach and and this started with coach Stig and it's continued with coach Rogers. It's such a family place here. Um, There's kids running up and down these hallways all the time, almost every night there are families are practice. Our families are pretty much welcome here 24 seven. So that, that, that helps too. You know, it's, it's not like when you come to work, you're separated from them. They, they're, they're able to get up here quite a bit and spend time with us too. So. Paul. I like to change the focus on talking about players and what advice you could give players that are possibly thinking of going to college and what they can do with the recruiting process. And even maybe some young coaches that don't understand what are some of the key things you would tell players or young coaches of things they should do starting with their freshman year, sophomore, whatever, whatever advice you can give them. You know, I, I think uh, if you're talking about young players that are that are starting their high school careers and have aspirations of playing college football, I'd say first and foremost um, is you, you got to you got to start getting yourself ready. Um, and, and I think the best way to do that, it, it might be a little counterintuitive to some, but it's it's to play multiple sports. Um, obviously, we all want our kids in the weight room. We all want them lifting. We all want them running. Um, but I think any good coach will tell you in the winter, yeah, you want them playing hoops, you want them wrestling. In the spring, you want them doing track, you want them playing lacrosse, whatever it might be, um, and and working with those teams and, and developing some of those different movement patterns and things that maybe you don't get playing football. Uh, and then obviously in the summer, you got to put the work in. Um, I, I think a couple things, and I'll, I'll try not to hit on everything because I could talk about it for a couple hours, but here, here's a few things that I see um, that I think maybe are missteps at times. And I'd say number one is is going to too many camps too early in your career. Um, I see some of these kids right now that are 25s and 26s, and they're going to six, seven, eight camps. Uh, and they're going to all the really big ones, right? Going to all the Big Ten camps. I'm going to the mega camps. I'm going to these huge places. As, as a guy that young, um, unless a, a power five or a bigger school has already reached out to you and really, really prodded you to get to their camp specifically, um, sometimes those aren't the best places to go as a young player because they're, they're, they got bigger groups of people. Um, and, and sometimes the level of detail and the coaching at the camp or who you're working with. Sometimes you might get put with a player, you know, you go to a big school and, and you're not working with the main group, you know, you're not working with the, uh, the position coach you're working with an intern or a player or something like that. Um, a lot of times, and I'll give a shameless plug here to UW Whitewater. I mean, they, they do a freaking great job at their camp. A lot of those, those, uh, we schools and, uh, some of the D threes and D twos and NAIs, I mean, they, they're going to, they're, they're going to really give you some individualized attention at some of those places. So I think as a young player, the focus should be more on development and less on exposure. That'll come, you know, if you don't have tape, it doesn't matter anyway. Um, once you start getting into, you know, you're a junior to be, you're a senior to be, then it's time to start getting real strategic with where you're going in the summer. Um, and the thing I would tell those kids is if a coach didn't come see you in school, if they didn't directly reach out, if you got a mailing that doesn't necessarily mean that they're looking at you, okay? If a coach did come to your school, they gave you a phone call, they talked to you, um, that's a place you should really look at attending camp because um, that's where you're going to get a real solid eval. One thing that we're really big on here is we start to kind of formulate offers and things of that nature. We really want kids that want to be here. 
we don't love chasing guys down and trying to convince them that this is the right place. Obviously, that's part of our job as recruiters. Um, but we really like when guys come see us. We love having guys on the campus. That almost sparks an interest in us saying, hey, this guy has a natural affinity to our program. Usually those guys end up being good fits. So I'd say go see the places that you're really interested in and and give some love to the coaches that are giving love to you. You know, don't don't go chasing stars uh, and, and trying to get the approval or attention of those um, who aren't giving it to you. Um, and obviously there's an argument to be made. You know, some guys do. They go to the camp and all of a sudden, you know, they walk out of there with an offer um, without having a prior relationship. That That's that's one in a million, man. But it, I've seen it happen, but it doesn't happen very often. Usually, uh, if, if you're not kind of having a conversation with somebody at that school, um, it, it's going to be hard to, to really get a, a fair shake at camp. Um, some other stuff, I guess, is in, you know, in terms of you talked about coaches, you know, um, and specifically with, with high school coaches as, as we come through. We, we're just looking to get information a lot of time. We just we just want the honest to God truth. And and um, I know I can't speak for everybody, but I, I always try my my best to be uh, as transparent and open about our process and, and our thoughts on people um, as we can possibly be, because I think that leads to the best possible outcome. Um, you know, when you when you when you sugarcoat stuff or you blow smoke, sometimes you engender false hope or you give guys the wrong idea. Um, and so we always try to be as straight up as we could possibly be about, hey, this is this is where we see this young man or um, this is where our board sits. Um, and so as, as we do that, we always hope that we're getting um, all the all the pertinent information and um, just want that open conversation, you know. Tom. Yeah, I, I laugh when you talk about the mailings, because every, you know, every winter you get the mass mailings as a head coach and. Um, our girl manager will get one of those mailings as an invite to a combine. Um, we got a kicker that's a young lady, and she gets an invite to you know to one of these combines. And I'm thinking, like, my goodness, like these schools are wasting all this money on these these mailings, and they're not even looking at who they're mailing them to. They're just pulling rosters off of Max Preps or whatever. And and the people I'm more likely to to send a encourage to go to a camp are the ones that. Like, you know, like you're you're in the hallway standing there talking to me. Um, coaches from other schools that come to our school and and you and you have a relationship with me, much more likely to push our kids to those camps because I know they're gonna get treated right. That it's not just uh you're you're not just funding a position, right? You're you're doing your work, you're you're evaluating kids, you're you're finding kids the right spot to play. Uh, you're not just mass mailing so that you can get as many bodies there as you can so that you can fund a, a coaching position. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, obviously, uh, like I said earlier, when it comes to recruiting, you know, our budget's a little different than, you know, some of the who's who's of the, the top 25 or the power five and stuff. So w would we send out mailings if we had the money to blast them out? Maybe we would. I don't know. But I, I don't care where I work out. Like, well, you just said it, Tom. Um, I had a conversation with a young man uh, the other day who, who I think we have a, a pretty solid interest in. And I asked him, hey, are, are we going to get you out here? And he says, uh, well, I'm going to Notre Dame, and then I'm going to go to uh, Rutgers, and then I'm going to – yeah, he listed off four or five. I said, did any of those coaches concede school? I said, no. I said, well, all right, good luck. I, you know, it's – like I said, if if you don't have a, any sort of prior contact or, or established relationship with somebody at the school you're going to visit, it's it's unlikely that they even have it highlighted on the list when you get there. A lot of these camps, since there's there's two or three camps within the camp, you know, there's 
there's multiple groups, right? You go to a camp with 650 kids. Um, there's a decent chance you're probably not working with the position coach at your position because it's pretty hard to coach, you know, a group of 60, 70 guys, you know, so things kind of get, uh, things kind of get separated and, and certain people work with certain people at these things. So I, I just, I, for the sake of uh, people not wasting their money and wasting their, there's only so many weekends in the summer. There's only so much money to go around and these camps aren't free. Um, I really encourage kids to be strategic and, and um, really try to go places where they feel they have the best shot to walk away with an opportunity. Coach, you bring up uh, you know a great point. I, I used to work the Wisconsin camps all the time when they were actually camps, what you described, you know, where you got position work and, you were taught fundamentals and skills and things like that. And and now it's like the, these camps are basically a combine. They just want to see how you run and how you jump and some of that stuff. There's not a lot of football going on. Um, you know, so at your camp, I mean, you guys get into, you know, actual fundamentals and techniques and maybe some one-on-one -on -one stuff for linemen. Yeah, our, ours is certainly longer than most. Um, it's not the longest, you know, there's, there's some other guys in our, uh, in our league that like to advertise a, a much longer camp. I'll, I won't comment on that, but, um, ours, ours goes for about six and a half hours. So it's, it's a long day, but you get your money's worth, you know? Um, I think we're pretty in line price wise around 80 bucks and we, we buy you lunch with 80 bucks, which nowadays, shoot, that's about 20 bucks right there. Um, <laughs> But but we do two sessions. So, you know, we do all this. Everybody does it, right? We all test the kids and, and do the uh, athletic instruction, as we call it, and, and some of the uh, the agility and movement stuff like that. We certainly do that like everybody else. Um, but then we do, you know, a solid two hours of, of offensive or defensive position work and then competition. And then we have lunch. And then we come back and do another two hours of position work. So we give kids the ability to or the option to – flip sides of the ball. Hey, you want to work O-line and D-line? Well, you'll get two hours of O-line work and two hours of D-line work. You want to work DB and quarterback? Maybe, you know, you want to try your hand at quarterback, but we want to evaluate you on defense. So I feel like we get a really, really thorough evaluation and kids get a lot of instruction, get a lot of technical work um, and, and get to go against some really good competition. So we certainly try our best to not just make it attract me um and and really make it a football camp kind of to your point you talked about the old wisconsin camps um i remember back in those days man there weren't even guest coaches there like you went to wisconsin camp it was you the wisconsin coaches and then a bunch of the really best high school coaches in the state um and then that was certainly those were the days yeah um talk a little bit about um you know you, you recruit wisconsin and you're probably a little bit uh, prejudiced towards Wisconsin players just because you're from the state and you played in the state. But, um, you know, how do Wisconsin players stack up, you know, in your all the states that you guys recruit? Um, you know, what's the quality of, of a Wisconsin high school football player, generally speaking, in comparison to players from other states? Well, I think, you know, when, when we get a kid from Wisconsin, we know we're getting a couple things. We know we're getting a kid that's that's tough and, and is typically, you know, pretty gritty and, um, you know, is willing to play in the hot and the cold and um, has has, uh, has received a high level of instruction from their coach and is typically pretty well coached. So um, it's good football. You know, there's a it, it's interesting as you kind of go around from place to place. And um, what's what's unique to me is. 
the state of Wisconsin has one Division One university, um, and and the amount of Division One football players that come out of Wisconsin, considering that there's only one Division One school in the state, is is pretty astonishing. You know, I looked up and down our whole league. Um, you know, from NDSU, UND, us, South Dakota, UNI, uh, Illinois State. Um, I mean, all those schools have multiple, multiple kids from the state of Wisconsin. Um, so it's it's a it's fertile ground, you know. Um, and and uh, I think we know we're getting a quality kid, a tough kid, and um, a, a kid who's been coached. So. Um, like you said, I, I, I'm biased, but we've had some really good ones, man. I'm I'm going to read some of these off for you. Brian Woodsman from Somerset played 10 years in the NFL. Colin Cochart from Kiwani uh, played played for a couple years in the NFL. We had Jake Onasorji here, who was a center from Wanakee, won the Remington Trophy. We've had some really good ones. We got a couple good ones on the team right now. We got our know, right guards from out to the north, Evan Bernstein. Uh, Kevin Brenner is a fullback for us from Wilmot. We played a lot in the, the playoff run. Got a couple of young guys from over, you know, North Shore area. You know, Joe Ullman from Olmstead and Aiden Dodderman from Slinger are guys that are playing a ton for us on special teams and defense. And so um, it's been important. You know, it's been a building block of uh, of what we're doing and um, hoping to continue to add a bunch more. Paul? Coach, how important does combines play in your recruiting process? Well, there's really only one combine that we look at, and it's the WFCA combine. Um, you know, I know there's there's a lot of people that um, are are charging money to have kids come run, and they talk about exposure. Um, to my knowledge, I, I believe the WFCA is the only one where there's actually coaches at it. Um, some of these other places, I don't. They're paying kids are paying a lot of money, and and I don't know who they're being exposed to. I don't know who's there, but we're not there. Um, so the, the WFCA, honestly, uh, you talk about spring recruiting, that's our evaluation period, uh, as division one and division two coaches. And then even, I know a lot of the division three coaches in the state get that thing too. Um, what we do during that evaluation period is we go to the schools, we try to watch workouts, right? We try to get places in the morning, in the afternoon, if we can catch one in the middle of the day, that's great. And, and really we're just there to evaluate, um, you know, how, how a kid works in the weight room or on the field with their coach and, um, we're observing, right? And so you, you put something together like the WFCA combine and we're able to get to that. I mean, seeing that amount of kids in one day, um, that gets all, you get a lot of work done at that thing, man. We get our eyes on so many players um, and, and the amount of exposure just in that one day is, is pretty incredible. We talked at the combine coach um, for actually for, you know, quite a while. And uh, it was interesting to hear you, you talk about, um, you know, individual players and your lists and guys that you were, you were looking at. Um, so when, when you come to the combine, are, are you, I mean, you, you're specifically looking at some players and then trying to discover new players. Yeah. You know, we get the list from Travis. Uh, he, he publishes that. And so, he, he, you know, you have an idea when you walk in, there's a few names highlighted as always. Um, but I mean, I've found kids every year. I've seen kids every year that I had no idea who they were and um, am impressed and uh, kind of get added to the board after that thing. So, you, you know, I'd say it's probably about 50-50. You know, you, you kind of know of a couple guys and you're looking to get eyes and numbers on a couple guys. And then there's always a few guys that pop up that you didn't know about before. Coach, let's just talk once more about your program in general. 
Um, you know, you mentioned that you lost a real tough game, a close game at Iowa last year. Now, I can't imagine that there are a lot of FBS schools lining up to play you guys. It, it's got to be hard for for you to find non-conference opponents given the success that you've had. It is. Um, you know, this year we don't have an FBS game. Uh, we we were supposed to have one. I think we had maybe like a verbal agreement with the school. And uh, after the Iowa game, all of a sudden they didn't they didn't want to do it anymore. So, um, you know, it, it, it can be tough. I know we got some really good ones here coming down the pipe. Uh, 2024, I think we played Oklahoma State. Um, I know there's there's contracts signed with, uh, I think, from 2025 all the way out to like 2028. We've got Northwestern, Iowa State, Nebraska. I know those ones are all in the schedule in the future. So. Um, certainly exciting opportunities for our program and for our players to go play on a really big stage against really good teams. Um, and, and, uh, you know, those games most of the time are, are nationally televised and our kids get excited about that. So they're awesome to have. Yeah, it, it does. The more success you have, obviously the harder it is to find people that, uh, um, maybe are willing to pay you to come down and, and play them. But, um, we've got a few lined up, wish we had one this year, but it's all right. Um, we'll, we'll, we still got a great schedule and play a lot of really good teams anyway. So um, I will say this, you know, it was that Iowa game. That was a great day to be a defensive coach. I think offensively on both sidelines, we maybe set the game back a few years, but uh, that's a, that's a heck of a ball club. So. Yeah. I, by the way, I watched that game and, and uh, I was rooting hard for you guys. I always kind of root for the underdog, especially in that situation. But uh, you certainly didn't embarrass yourself by any stretch of the imagination. You know, again, that was your only loss last year. So, well, Coach, we really thank you for being a part of the WFCA podcast. Um, you know, you, you gave us a lot of great information on recruiting. I know that our listeners are going to eat that stuff up. Um, and, and we wish you personally as a coach and, and your program nothing but the best. Um, the first time that I had the opportunity to um, listen to you was on a Zoom clinic during those COVID years, uh, and you, you did it when you were at Bemidji, and uh, you, you did something on uh, your power blocking scheme, and, and you may not remember this, but I actually reached out to you, and I, you, know, you, you had a technique with your, instead of skip pulling, you had a little something different you were doing because teams like the bend hard, you know, and anyway, I, I reached out to you for some film and you got it to me right away. And, uh, you know, it just, to me, it was just like, okay, this is the kind of guy that I know is going to be successful as a college coach. So, um, you know, again, congratulations on your national championship. We wish you nothing but, but the best of luck. I appreciate that, Tom, and uh, appreciate you guys for for everything you do. Um, you know, being a, a Wisconsin native and um, still, you know, being really involved in, in uh, you know football in the state and, and recruiting guys from out of there. You guys do such an amazing job. You know, we talked about the combine, um, you know, the state clinic every year is always just an outstanding production, um, and and uh, one of the, if not the best, uh, coaches association in America. Um, if, if you're asking me. So uh, appreciate everything you guys do. Appreciate all the high school coaches around the state that uh, are so open with us and let us come through their doors and recruit their players. And um, we, uh, like I said, just really appreciative of, of everything. Well, thank you. And and I want to just take a moment to thank uh, Paul and Tom 
Again, they're just vital members of this podcast, and and I thank you for all the hard work you guys do to put this thing on. And uh, um, you know, I want to thank our listeners. Uh, you know, I know we're getting more and more people that are, are are listening to this podcast. We thank you for that. And uh, as always, if you've got something that you would like to communicate with either myself or Paul or Tom, please feel free to do so. Uh, we're always interested in any thoughts you have or questions or comments. Uh, we do want to make this your podcast. So uh, thank you for listening. And with that, um, I want to thank everybody once again and, and, and good night, everyone. Thank you.